Welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Faith, Fitness, and Freedom podcast, and I'm your host, Rebecca Taber Contreras. And yes, it is true. I am former atheist, overweight, corporate girl turned God-loving, purpose-chasing, fit over now 45 fitness entrepreneur. And if you want to learn more about my story, it truly is an amazing God story of his work in and through me. And you can listen to that in more detail in the first couple episodes. I will tell you that at this point in my purpose and what I know he has called me to do, I work with female Christian leaders so that you can drop body and soul pounds for good, so that you can experience that sustainable weight loss, magnetic confidence, have that greater connection to peace and purpose, have food freedom, energy focus, because all of that impacts our ability to be in relationship with God to the fullest extent in which he calls us, as well as to be able to give our best, right? He came to give us life and give it to us in abundance. We get to be active participants in that. And being healthy in both mind and body is a critical element to that. But today, what we're going to focus on in this podcast episode is not related to any of that. We're going to talk about marriage and relationships. I truly believe, I know in my heart that you are meant to hear this, that you did not find this by accident. I will tell you that there's been so much resistance around me recording and publishing this episode that I know that it is meant to be heard. Whether you are married for 10 years strong at this point, 20 years, or maybe you're single, you're considering getting serious about a relationship, or perhaps you're in a blended family, or you feel like you have a broken past when it comes to relationships because you have maybe divorce in your background or just a lot of loss. I believe there is something in this episode for you because I've had a little bit of it all. And with that comes a lot of shame in that I don't have this ideal background of what our faith tells us we should have, right? We get married, we stay committed to that marriage, we, you know, live it out for the rest of our lives. And that shame is in part what kept telling me that I'm not qualified to speak on this topic, but God has pressed upon me to share with you what I have learned and to be vulnerable about the truths and the mistakes that I've made along the way. So with that, in order for me to release the shame and to release my own (laughs) pressure of trying to make this episode just right, I'm going to ask that you give me some grace and patience today as it might be a little bit of a longer episode. Um, But having prayerfully thought through everything um, that I'm about to share with you, I know that it's important for those that are meant to hear it. So I'm going to give you kind of the background in terms of my experiences, mistakes I've made along the way, and then I'm going to close us out with some lessons that God has impressed upon me, even as recent as this year, a new level of understanding of what love is to look like and what we as wives are are called to be um, and why it's so important us, for us to be who God has called us to be in this position, regardless of family dynamic, right? That it is truly about our relationship with God and nothing short of that. So with that, let me jump in and start with, I have two divorces in my background and I am currently married. We just celebrated six years and this is my forever husband. I'm claiming it. Uh, And 
the first marriage was with my son's dad. And in that marriage, I will tell you, my experience with that is that I was with my son's dad, Dante's dad, um, for several years before him and I chose to get married and have Dante and all of those things. And I was not a believer when I first came to know him and not that having faith keeps you from making mistakes or anything like that. But um, I was also just still really figuring my stuff out, right? And really had did not have the ideal example of what it means to be loved and what love looks like, right? I know now, hindsight being 2020, I, I love my parents. My parents love me. My dad is... Um, you know, uh, has given me so many strong qualities. The perception uh, that I had of myself and my value and my worth based on the dynamics of our family and our home was that I didn't have, you know, a great sense of confidence or a great sense of understanding what I should be looking for, right? What was healthy, what looked like love, especially compared to a benchmark in what God says love looks like, because I didn't have that as an example. I didn't have that as I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up in a home reading the Bible or, or anything along those lines. So having said that, when I look back now and years and years of therapy, um, you know, back in the day, I, it's been long since I've, it's been a long time since I've needed therapy over that original marriage. But um, I did spend years in therapy really analyzing myself and the situation and the dynamic. I will tell you this, that uh, there were red flags even while we were dating and we had broken up and gotten back together and, and all those things. But ultimately, um, I made that choice to get married. And I'm so glad that I did because I have this amazing son um, that I like, I, I just can't even imagine that it would have turned out any differently because he's just like, of course, your child is your everything, right? And in that marriage, um, there was what became an evolution of escalations and an escalation of just manipulation and um, deceit and, and a lot of different things. And as the verbal interactions continued to escalate, I want to tell you that one, I'm I was far from perfect back then either. There's things that I wanted, would have wanted to do differently as well. However, when the verbal started to escalate, um, at some point in time, by the time Dante was about one, one and a half is when I accepted God into my life. And that first year or so after accepting God, I started to see things differently. And again, that full story is in the first couple episodes. I encourage you to go back. But I started to see things differently. I started to recognize that maybe this isn't all my fault. Maybe I don't deserve this. Maybe there is a better way. Maybe there's a different way of handling this. Maybe this isn't okay, the way I'm being talked to, treated, all the things. And uh, when it came to the point where my son, who was then two or so, again, I always say I'm horrible at actual timing, but I believe he was around two, and he became old enough to react to what was happening in the house and cry over our fighting or having things come out of his mouth like, please stop making mommy cry, right? Or having my son hear 
um, the name calling and, and all the things that were happening at the time, I decided to physically remove myself and my son from that environment in fear of, and again, that could be 100% on me. It might have been the baggage that I brought into the story. Maybe it never would have escalated to anything physical, but I felt very strongly that I needed to remove Dante and myself from that situation. And so we did. I still had hoped to work on the marriage. I was a new believer at the time. I knew and understood that God doesn't condone divorce. As I thought we were living separately, but working on our marriage, and we continued to have have a relationship, um, it came to my knowledge uh, that he had other, um, he had a backup plan, and we'll just leave it at that, and, and or that was his, the main plan, I'm not sure. Um, and so with that, then there became a um, biblical reason for divorce. And I will tell you that even still, I still wanted to save my marriage, still tried to save my marriage. And part of that comes down to um, again, still recovering from feeling like not good enough, feeling unworthy, feeling undeserving, insecure, all the things. Um, and meanwhile, I had at that time, I had a pretty decent, like I had let go of a lot of the, the things that I experienced in my teenage years and early 20s. And I was on a good track record in terms of work and career, and I could provide for myself and all those things. I actually have provided for myself since I was um, pretty young. And, but still, I, I really wanted that marriage and I really wanted to be able to forgive whatever had happened and work together and move on. But, uh, there, I wanted to be the only one <laughs> in that relationship. And so ultimately that ended up with a divorce and it was a very ugly divorce as I don't think any divorce is pretty, um, and so through that, it took um, time for me to to heal. And that was a pivotal part in me really transforming my life. That was the first bottom of the shower moment that I shared that really helped me. It was during the, the divorce and shortly there after us um, separating that uh, I had a bottom of the shower moment with God that ultimately was the pivotal point in which I started to truly understand the importance of leaning into God and grounding our value and our worth in him through his words. And that's when he began, God began to teach me the practices and the principles that I teach other women today. So again, I'm super grateful. I also want to say on this note that, um, the I am very thankful that regardless of of all the things that happened back then, that's now been nearly twenty years. Actually, it's probably been over twenty years. Um, and I am thankful and grateful for the presence that Dante's son, Dante's dad, has in his life today. And I'll leave it at that. So then, fast forward. Um, it was me and Dante for quite some time, and then. I, I did actually have a couple significant relationships in there, which again, I don't know, ladies, if you're a single mom, um, I've seen it both ways. And I have a really good girlfriend who has dated, but chosen to not really have any, uh, like real significant relationship. Um, and you know, our sons were around the same age and, and I can see it going both both ways. Hindsight being 2020. Um, I know that there are some people that say that you should just focus on your kids and, and all those things. 
And I will tell you that I know that I'm a really good mom. I'm thankful that I have a very good close relationship with Dante. Um, and so he was always first and always the priority. Um, however, even going into the second marriage, um, I can just see where it can it can go either way, right? So the what I'm the reason I'm sharing this with you is hindsight being 2020, of course, I'm not going to condemn myself or beat myself up. I'm not going to let the enemy do that to me either. But I would just encourage you to really work on if I'm talking to my single mamas right now, regardless of what stage you're in, if you are I would really encourage you to work on your focus and being able to identify the blind spots where you potentially are not yet getting your value solely based on God. Because I think part of the, you know, hindsight being 2020 was that I continue to look for affirm outside affirmation versus simply holding space with who I am as God calls me, right? And how he has me placed in life and in all the things. So I think I was still looking for external validation through relationships. It's just on my heart to share that caution that, you know, to really be in God's word. And I was in God's word and I was doing all the things. So it's like getting connected with, um, you know, asking those questions, right? And really being direct with God, with a trusted group of Christian women and mentors, or maybe a, a counselor, right? To make sure that your value is rooted in God and God alone, that you're looking for affirmation and validation in God and God alone, and that you are inviting other people that are trusted, that are safe to speak into your life so that they can help you identify any blind spots. Because dating isn't wrong, right, in the right circumstances or what have you, but you want to make sure that it's from the right heart perspective, because otherwise, the choices that you make are going to be it can be have the potential of being compromised, right? Or unknowing or unknowingly co compromised. You can have that blind spot. So having said that, um, several years passed. And then when I was right after I had left corporate America and started working in the one-on-one -on -one training studio with my son's aunt and uncle, I connected or met what ended up being um, my next husband, Scott. And in that Again, I'm so appreciative of the role that Scott played because essentially having known that Steve and Cynthia, my son's aunt and uncle, had played such a significant role, not just in believing in me and taking this leap of faith to go from corporate to, you know, basically essentially first corporate. Uh, uh, personal trainer, right? And they taught me how to teach boot camps, run boot camps, all the things. And so they were the first people to believe in me, but they had also been a huge role, played a huge role in my faith walk as well. Steve specifically watching his transformation was one of the examples God put in front of me to show me what is possible when he begins to work in us and when we invite him in to do that work. So they meant so much to me. I never would have gone out on my own. I never would have opened my own business in that same area. And when I met Scott, he was also into fitness and he lived about an hour, hour and a half away. We actually met on a, I think it was eHarmony, a Christian dating site. And 
we did move fast in that relationship, right? Because on paper, everything looked like it was amazing and meant to be and all the things. We shared our passion for God. We shared our passion for fitness. And with that, Scott at the time had a a small personal training studio, you know, an hour, hour and a half away from where I was living at the time. And so once we decided that we were going to progress into marriage fairly quickly within a couple of months, few months of knowing each other, then I started to uh, build a boot camp at a park and out, out by him. And so that's where I can look back and say, I'm so grateful because that boot camp at the park and, you know, and then ultimately brought it inside and then spent 10 years growing it with the help of an amazing team and had an impact on, you know, thousands of people, thousands and thousands of people over the last, you know, decade. And so I'm incredibly grateful for that. And from a marriage perspective, this is where a lot of tough lessons happened. So within that first year of us being married, there was a family dynamic changing for Scott as well. Scott also had a son that lived, you know, local to him. Scott was very involved at the si- at the time. Uh, Dante's dad wasn't necessarily very involved on the day to day, so I didn't see any kind of impact in Dante's day to day environment to to move an hour and an hour, hour and a half away. I didn't see that. Like that, that didn't, my choice to move did not impact um, the amount of times that his dad would see him or anything like that. Whereas Scott was a very involved dad and um, had a good, you know, co-parenting relationship with his ex-wife. And so that dynamic uh, was something to be protected for him, which I totally understand. So we created this life, but within that first year or so of marriage, um, his son's mom and her husband uh, got a job offer in Texas and ultimately they moved. And in addition to the in addition to that, what was for him a huge loss, which I didn't understand at the time, the, the depth of it, I do now having I'll explain that in a minute, but um, the depth of the loss of his son in terms of being in close proximity, in addition to the first year of business was hard. We So we both were entrepreneurs. We were both working independently, trying to grow the fitness business. Uh, and he, Scott, ultimately, to help us financially, took a job, right? It came down to, at one point, there there was a cho- I did that first year had, you know, one foot on the boat and one foot on the dock and was still like, you know, it looked scary. You don't know what you don't know when you're starting a new business. And that first year of having my own business, I questioned whether I was making the right decision and whether I should go back to corporate America. And Scott held ground for me and believed in me and, uh, you know, went to get a job to help support us and pay the bills. But a combination of that financial stress and the stress with his son moving, again, I found myself in a position where I felt like it was in mine and Dante's best interest. And I'm not saying that these are, are great choices. There was there was mentors involved and um, I won't make any excuses. So I felt like we needed to have some physical space and time away. And in that decision, during that time, 
Scott ultimately did have enough space to decide that he just could not stay in California having his son so far. So he moved to Texas. And even through that, I stayed connected, um, stayed close to God, and I knew for a really long time that I was supposed to continue to pray and continue to wait. And in that process, I just focused on the business. I focused on Dante, as I always did. And I focused on, you know, at that point in the business, I had two physical locations and a team and, and all the things. And so I stayed in prayer, stayed focused, and really felt like God was just telling me to wait for as long that he was working to, no matter what it looked like, he was working to wait um, and to let the time, time pass. And then about 18 months into, like 18 months from us physically being separated, um, it seemed like, and I want to be careful, I don't want to go into all the details, but I will tell you that there was there was a period in time in that 18 months where it seemed like um, we were going to reconcile. Scott and I were going to reconcile. Everything was going to work out. It seemed as if there was, um, and I know that in those details, there were moments where some of the things that Scott said that he apologized for, um, for the time that we were living together or what have you were things that that had hurt me. I'm sure I hurt him too, but that had hurt me. And it was almost as if, but that I hadn't necessarily said directly, right? And so it's almost like God giving me that ability to hear an apology or to hear what I needed to hear as part of my healing process, right? And so, Unfortunately, that did not, um, the, the, it wasn't sustained, right, in terms of the idea that we were going to be able to figure things out. Now, I live in California, and I'm tied to California with this business and um, not moving Dante to another state, um, all the things, right, and him being connected and, and tied to Texas, right? He had created a life and, of course, had that interaction with his son. Our sons were pretty much the same age, um, so they were still in high school. And um, Scott asked for a divorce, and he very persistently asked for a divorce, and to the point where I was still in prayer, I was still asking, and at some point in time, and I don't know hindsight being 2020, um, if this was truly God or if this was me just being exhausted in the wait, um, I gave him the divorce that he asked for. Now, looking back in that circumstance, I will tell you that it doesn't matter. And knowing what I know now, as I continue to grow and evolve, you know, that was 10 years ago now. Um, as I continue to grow and evolve in my walk with God, I know that there was no biblical reason for us to get divorced, regardless of what happened, regardless of what it looked like, there was no biblical reason for us to get divorced. So that's where I can honestly say, and this is what is hard, is as thankful as I am for the life that I have today, I know that that had to have been a mistake because it was not in alignment with God's word, right? And it's it's really hard to sometimes to battle against the the stinking thinking or the enemy when because we do have such a heart for God and because we do want to live according to his word and his will and not our own that when we fall out of alignment with what his word says 
even if it's in hindsight, right? It's something that can work against us. It's something that can um, beat us up, right? It's something that can cause us to question, right, our um, worthiness or so many different things, right? And question the what ifs and if only I had and, and all the things, right? And the reality is, is that you have to choose to let that go, right? So even if you, and you might be thinking, well, God's, you know, I've heard different justifications for divorce in the past that, you know, it's not in today's environment. Today's environment is so much different and all this kind of stuff. Sister, I've been through the gamut of life experiences. And having said that with love, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter how fallen our world is. It doesn't matter how crazy the circumstance is. You Maybe you do need to physically separate. Maybe you do need to get a breather, right? That's something for you to take to spiritual mentors and leaders within your church and people that know the full circumstance to discern if maybe you do live se separately for a period of time, if that's something you need to do. But it does not necessarily mean that you have to follow through and get a divorce because unless there's that biblical grounds for the divorce, then you are choosing to walk out of alignment with God's word. And that is the harsh truth. And now there is grace and mercy and forgiveness. And clearly, again, like my life is an example of even when I've gotten it wrong, God has still used whatever I got wrong and or the next situation or circumstance or circumstances unrelated. It, you know, he still works for my good. He still is allowing me to be a voice in other women's life. He's still allowing me to have this amazing impact. And so many amazing things have occurred over the last 10 years. So it's not as if, you know, me choosing to um, agree to the divorce and following through the divorce, even though it didn't align with God's word, that didn't stop God's blessing right? That didn't stop God from loving me. That didn't stop God from showing me how he wants me to show up for others. And clearly, <laughs> based on the resistance of this podcast, I'm going to trust that on this episode, I'm going to trust that he's going to use that and use the truth and use the vulnerability to encourage somebody else. Like even if you did choose to get that divorce, based on that and it wasn't on biblical principles and maybe you are beating yourself up and maybe you're questioning your value or your worth or you're questioning whether or not God can still use you. I'm here to tell you he can, he will, he wants to, it's part of your story and he will somehow weave it into your greater good or his ability to help others, right? Because he does understand. He does understand that we're human and that we're, you know, that's why we need him is for his strength in us. And we're not always going to get it right. And he still chooses us and he still loves us and he still has a plan for us, right? And we get to choose to be active participants in that plan. So we do need to be mindful and be careful. And that's where I think the conversation comes in is like free will, but but you know, uh, free will versus uh, are, it's already determined, right? I, I believe God does give us free will. And I do believe that there are natural consequences when we choose outside of his word. It doesn't stop him from loving us. We can think about it from a parenting standpoint as well, right? We, for those of us that are, that are healthy, 
we don't like healthy in mind, right? Um, healthy emotionally. We don't stop loving our kids because they made a mistake or a wrong choice. We don't stop loving our kids because we told them to do one thing and they chose to do another, right? But there is, when we're healthy, there's a natural consequence to whatever that choice might have been. And we need to, again, good parenting is allowing them to experience the consequence in most situations, right? Sometimes there's grace, but And that's part of the process. So if we are that way as parents, when we're healthy, how much greater is God in his ability to discern that and his ability to love beyond and his ability to direct? The key is the fact that we, to understand that we do get to be active participants. And so I don't know how that works. Maybe there was a different storyline if I had um, not given in to the request for the divorce, right? Maybe there is a different storyline. Like, obviously, there would be because I wouldn't be married now, right? Um, All I can focus, but I can't spend time focused on that, right? Because it's not for my highest good. That decision is made, that experience is gone, right? And so my highest good is to focus on where I am now and where I, you know, what I get to do prospectively, right? And so what I started to say, and I want to make sure that I don't lose track of it, is that in that moment, I didn't consciously think that I was going against God's will. I had somehow talked myself into believing that that was right. And this is where we have to be so careful and we need to be in good godly counsel and we need to be, you know, I talked about being able to hear from God's voice, I think in the last episode, we need to make sure that we're going through all of those steps because hindsight being twenty twenty, it is not in God's word. So it clearly that peace that I was feeling was just, it. I remember thinking, I feel like I'm finally released to be able to follow through with this request to get the divorce um, instead of continually waiting. Because I had been waiting and hoping and praying that um, we would reconcile and it all would be well for over a year. But when you think about the big picture, like sometimes God wants us to wait for years or whatever the case may be, right? Just because it doesn't happen in our timing doesn't mean that we heard him wrong in the first place, especially if what you are thinking contradicts God's word. He is never going to contradict his word. So that alone, clearly, I had talked myself into the answer I wanted versus just out of fatigue. And like, I, I, I wanted nothing more at the time than for that marriage to work and for the, you know, vision and the impact that we wanted to have together for that to all happen, right? I wanted that more than anything. But out of the the waiting and the fatigue and the exhaustion and the all the things, there was a moment long enough for me to follow through on it that I decided that I had this peace in being released from it, right? So that I could, whatever the reason is, right? So that I could um, move on from there. I don't know, right? Get closure from it. I don't know. But again, the the takeaway from that is that I want you to know, I know that I made a choice outside of God's will and that I want to encourage you to not feel condemned if you have, but also to be super mindful if you haven't. Because as hard as it, I feel like a hypocrite for saying it because 
as hard as it, because I didn't, right? I didn't wait longer. I didn't see that all the way through. But I can tell you in other instances where I've waited and patiently, you know, even through the 18 months that I did wait, like there were so many blessings in that and God took care of so many other aspects, right? Sometimes if you're not receiving the way you think you want to receive or the prayer isn't being answered the way you want it to be answered in a certain aspect of life, then he like, maybe he's like, well, I can't, God is like, I can't do that for you right now. There's a reason, there's a process, what have you, but I can bless you over here. I can open this door over here. And I saw that happen over and over and over again, even in the time that I was waiting. So even in the time that I was waiting and praying and hoping that that marriage would reconcile, uh, I saw massive doors open on the business side and on the impact side and on just the experiences that I was having with Dante at the time and the families that, you know, being a single mom with him in high school, I had tons of time flexibility because of being an entrepreneur. But at the same time, it takes a tribe, right? And I got to help other moms and have a lot of time freedom because it was just me, Dante, and the business, right? And we lived close to the school. So I got to help other moms. They got to help us. Like it was just like there was so much beauty in that experience at the same time of waiting, right? So I hope that that makes sense. I hope I'm clear on the takeaway is to be really mindful of when you're in that situation, regardless of what the other person is saying, you are held accountable for your actions, your choices, your way of being, right? And so even if it looks like there is no hope, if it does not get, if it does not, if a choice does not align with God's word, then you are to stay the course, right? Again, if it's a situation, not that this was the case with me and Scott, but if it's a situation where you're physically in danger or anything like that, then yes, use prayer, discernment, get to safety, use all those things. Um, But I'm just going to leave it at that because there's so many, like I, and trust me, I understand how hard it is um, to hold on. And this is what God has been teaching me all along though, is that we are holding on to God, not the person right? We're holding on to his word, his faithfulness, all of those things, not the person. And I will tell you, I've also seen God work amazing miracles, but it just doesn't always happen. And I've seen him actually do that time and time again in my life in different circumstances and all the things. It just doesn't always happen in our timing. So I also want to say just because, you know, it was like this experience with God and this amazing time of growth with him in the prayer and the waiting over that 18 months. And that in and of itself was so incredibly powerful, right? So let me move on. I hope that that makes sense. But let me move on. So then again, fast forward, and I reconnected with Sam, my now forever husband. We knew each other from high school. We didn't stay in contact. We were high school sweethearts for a period of time, but we were also friends and just always that person I could go to. And so at some point, I uh, reached out to him. My only goal, my only intent was just to add a good friendship in my life, right? And Sam, (laughs) when we reconnected, one of the things he told me when we first saw each other in person is we were having a conversation over coffee. He said, I just have to tell you, you have always been the one that got away. And of course, what woman doesn't love to hear that, right? So my heart melted, but still the goal for me was just to add another good friend to my life and to my circle. And as things progressed, we started obvi- bringing it, it became more of a friendship, obviously. And so 
ultimately, I think a year and a half or so into us being reconnected and dating and all the things, um, we brought the kids together. They all seemed to get along. We spent a lot of time together and everything seemed to be great. And so we decided to get married. And in doing that, I will tell you, I'm grateful for where we are. It's been incredibly hard to get here. And we chose to get married at a point where Dante was, I think, a sophomore in high school. So my, um, I have three bonus kids. My oldest son, my oldest bonus son would have been, I think, a freshman. We always, like again, horrible with timing, but I'm almost certain that Dante was a sophomore, um, maybe a freshman. And Dylan, my oldest bonus son, was a year behind him. Jalen is a year, two years, my oldest or my only um, bonus daughter is behind them. And then Jacob is a, a good five years behind our youngest. And so we got married at a time where we had teenagers and a, you know, still elementary kid. And at the time, like I said, we were together and all in each other's proximity for um, a good year or more before we decided to get married and everybody seemed to get along and everything seemed to be great and we were going to church and God was in the middle of our relationship and our interactions and all the things. And then you move everybody into the same house and it becomes a whole nether ball game. And now I'm going to speak to blended families. I would really, again, look at that choice and decide, is it truly for everybody's highest good? You just don't know what you don't know. And only because I continually analyze and I, I am a student of my mind, my body, my life, I feel like that's how we get better. That's how we learn, grow and improve, right? If we never deal with truths, if we never deal with reality, if we never look at past choices to discern our motives, our methods, all the things, then we don't get to truly grow to the extent in which we're capable. So with that, I look back and knowing how difficult it was and knowing how hard it was in our home for a quite for a long period of time, I would say maybe the first year was still kind of honeymoon phase, right? It might not have been instantaneous. I think everybody was initially living on the high of, yay, we're all in the same house and we're all together and this is amazing. We have this big, huge family and we all love each other and all the kinds of things. And then it comes down to some of our kids acting out. Just the idea of different personalities. I am very disciplined, very structured, and very um, kind of, set in my ways in, at least at the time, um, in how I think things should be done and how I had raised Dante, right? I was raised, you know, by a Navy father. And I would say that I'm not as strict as my Navy father was, which again, I'm super thankful for like, for example, work ethic and all those things at this. And I did things much different with Dante. However, it was still very regimented, very regulated, very disciplined in how we were in the house, in our ways of being and what we were allowed to do, not allowed to do all the things. Um, and so that is different. <laughs> not only that, but you now have a, a home where it was just Dante and I. And so we had our schedule, our routine, the house was fairly quiet. We were always, we were also, when it was just Dante and I, we were always the house where 
all of his friends came to, and I always wanted that, right? I always wanted all the guys to come over, and Dante was always in sports, mostly baseball, softball, well, and or mostly baseball and football through high school, basketball for a little while. And so the guys were always at our house, and I loved that, but I also loved the fact that we had this quiet space, you know, unless somebody was invited in, which again, they were there quite often, but there's a much different scenario and circumstance from that to being and living in a house where there's four not like in in addition to Sam in addition to my husband there's now four very different personalities that I'm trying to adjust to and they're trying to adjust to a very different dynamic, right? Not only with me as a parental figure and my ways of being as a parental figure, but also with my relationship with Dante being so close and connected and just different than what had been modeled for them, right? With their mom wasn't in the picture and it was not a healthy, I won't go into her story, but, um, well, I actually, I will share her there because it's part of her story and she shares it today. But um, their mom had struggled with addiction for years and for that reason had not been in their life for significant chunks of time. By God's grace and mercy, she found God and she has been clean and sober for the last couple of years. And, you know, I won't speak with her for her. Um, and I honestly don't know her very well. I don't actually, I will say I don't really know her at all, right? Um, but I, I know just, I know that she does her best just as we all to walk according to God's word and in his steps now that she is clean for several, for the last couple of years and walking with God. But what the, what my bonus kids experienced growing up impacted their relationship with me impacted the dynamic in which they have with each other. There's so many things that you just don't recognize are going on. And I think this happens even in the healthiest environments, right? So we have, Sam and I together have four kids whose other parent was not in like really significantly involved in their life until the last couple of years for all of them, right? Dante's dad has played a bigger role the last couple of years. Their mom has is now healthy and has been involved the last couple of years. So that means we've been married now for a little over six years. So that means the first few years of our marriage, it, there was a lot of stuff that we were each bringing baggage into this environment, right? And so it made it incredibly hard. In addition to that, we, uh, Sam and I had agreements and commitments that I'm confident we both had the best of intentions, right? Um, I am somebody who believes in continual growth and improvement and um, I'm always learning, like I truly practice what I preach. I'm a constant student of my mind and body. So when we got married, I pretty, I had a pretty good understanding by that point of who I am, who I'm not, with how I am, like my ways of being, my priorities, all the things, right? And so again, what I can see now, hindsight being 2020, is that I came into our marriage with rigid expectations, right? They were communicated and therefore I felt like I was, like when things didn't go according to the way we had planned and had envisioned and or some things that maybe promises were made that hadn't been kept or what, at least my perception of it or what have you, and, and I'm in this environment that is 
so chaotic compared to what I was used to. Again, not necessarily like not crazy fighting all the time, nothing like that, but just my version of chaos because there's always, always people, always noise, always something going on, always having to learn how to like interact or react or not react or when to get involved as a parent and when not to get involved in as a parent or me attempting to parent when they didn't want a parent, right? All the things like it was so much to take on that I started to shut down and emotionally, right? Which has been my way of um, protecting myself as, you know, that's one of the mechanisms that I learned from a younger age is to um, put on this front of like just closing off emotionally, right? And for lots of reasons. But in addition to that chaos and that dynamic and all of the things, uh, it took a toll on our marriage, right? Sam and I, um, there's no doubt that there was love. There was no doubt that there was this sense of um, connection, comfort, loyalty, those types of things. However, there was also a growing kind of wedge or wall because on my end, it, like our life, our marriage, our relationship, our family home didn't look like I expected it to look, right? It didn't look like I had envisioned. And because I came into it with these expectations of it being a certain way, because I came into it with these expectations of, well, this is how I am. I know this is how I am. This is how I choose to live. And this is what I want my home to look like. And this is what I want my relationship to look right like. Um, it created a lot of uh, strife that wasn't even necessarily spoken because Sam is a very a quiet person, non-confrontational person, very much a peace person, which I think, again, in part, I was drawn to that because... Um, you know, some of my past experiences were the opposite of that, right? And I will tell you that leading up to the last year, Sam and I had come to a point, Sam has also always been, I have to say, like so incredibly supportive to whatever was going on in my business. And I am so grateful for that because he's always, again, he's always believed in me. He's always been supportive. He is not, for those of you that are listening, that happen to be entrepreneurs, I know that I have a unique gift in Sam and the fact that he supports what doesn't, what wouldn't naturally make sense to him, right? As entrepreneurs, we're wired differently. We think, we dream, we vision really big. We take risks. We like our investments are high, all the things, right? It's so much different than what someone that is not an entrepreneur thinks or, or operates, right? And that Sam has never questioned anything I do, right? And he's always, he's never been involved in the business side of it, but he's also always been very supportive, right? Um, from the, you know, when we first met, I was still growing the brick and mortar business. So again, and my mode of operation, even when I was bringing Dante was quality time, not quantity, right? And so there's so much about Sam that was so like supporting, loving, encouraging throughout what is now thankfully six years of marriage. And however, this distance and this ret, ret, uh, this kind of wall that had started to build up, I'm sure from 
Um, my side, like I said, I realize now after God taking me through this experience that I had a very rigid expectation coming in. And when those expectations weren't met, I turned to like this inward feeling of, well, this isn't what I signed up for, right? This isn't what I expected. This isn't what we agreed to type thing. And it started to create some resentment and some bitterness. And it started to, uh, it started to, I want to say like stifen the feeling of being in love, right? And we know that God's love is so much different than that feeling of being in love. And at the beginning of this year, Sam and I were both at a place where we were thinking about walking away. We were both at a place where we felt like we love each other. We want what is best for each other. And maybe we aren't that, right? And that was such a hard um, conversation. It was such a hard thought that both of us had been dealing with and contemplating for, I'm sure, a very long time before we ever started to articulate it. And so as we started, once we got those words out, it was almost like once we breathed it into a reality, like do we start going down this road and considering whether or not we're meant to stay together um, and or do actually do we start going down this road and parting paths and what does that look like and, and all the things what actions do we take? Um, God began to work in me because simultaneously I had started a different way of praying at the beginning of the year. And I shared this in the podcast episode of declarative prayer, or I think it might be how to get more out of your prayer. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, I started to pray in declaration and not honestly not even initially was I praying over my marriage I've prayed over Sam I've prayed over our family I've prayed over each of our individual kids time and time again but this time I was praying prayer specifically related to things like create in me a clean heart father God show me where I am not show me my blind spot show me what I am not seeing show me what I direction right and declaring, Father God, I lean not on my own understanding and I acknowledge you in all of my ways. Therefore, I am trusting that you will make any crooked path straight, right? And as I was praying that and praying, Father God, you say that when I delight in you, you will give me the, desi the desires of my heart. And those, with that verse does not mean you get what you want in your human nature. It means that God gives you his wants for you, right? And so as I started praying those prayers, um, simultaneously, I had this, this moment and this realization. Um, I won't say that it's a moment. I think it took a minute, like maybe a few days, a couple of weeks for, for God to start to plant the seeds and the recognition that when I looked back on my marriages, my relationships, like, okay, Rebecca, who is the common denominator? is what I started to hear. And I've, it's not the first time I've thought that, it's not the first time I've been aware of that, but it came up again. And the thought of, okay, Rebecca, here you go again. You're, you're ready to give up, you're ready to walk away. What does that look like and what does that say, right? Is, and really lean into that. And when I started to lean into that, God took me through this process that, man, all I can say is that 
it was a undoing is the best way to, I have to describe it. And it was such a beautiful experience because I've not experienced anything like that in my, you know, nearly over 20 years walk with God at this point where God somewhat, somehow brought me to this understanding to begin to pray for my marriage specifically and begin to and recognize that I was going in the wrong direction and recognize that my commitment is to my marriage and my family and recognizing um, that I needed to, there were things that God wanted me to see about me and my way of being, right? And God took me through a process of, it ended up being about 40 days. And he, in that time, he had put it on my heart at the beginning or at some point in time to start praying and fasting until noon every day. And the first day, I will tell you that the first day before he even really put that on my heart, where he just kind of convicted me that you're going in the wrong direction. I remember I actually had a conversation with a girlfriend and I was like, I don't even, I don't even know how to turn this tide at this point. Like, I don't even like, because at that point for the first time, Sam was also clearly um, shut down emotionally, right? He was clearly, which is not like he was, that's not, I knew that this was significant because that, that's not his nature at all. And it wasn't the norm for him. That's not even his normal go-to, right? Um, and he was clearly shut down emotionally. So for some reason, I, it was on my heart and it, it was actually gifted to me, I think by my, my girlfriend when I was having this conversation in that, um, just ask him, like, just when you get home, just ask him if he wants to go to church with you. So I get home, I ask him if he wants to go to church with me. He, for some reason says yes, <laughs> which was a God thing. And we go to church and on the way home, I say to him, I don't want this. I don't want to go down the path of us not being together. I want to figure this out. I want us to stick this out. And I started having that conversation with him and he was just quiet and just said, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to do this right now. I don't know how to turn this tide right now. I don't know what I want anymore. And I really need to think and process this. And so with that, that was obviously hard and we go about our day and at that point in time um I was in a another room of our house and I remember just praying and then the next day it was on my heart to write him a letter right but Sam needed time for the first time in our marriage and he needed to process what was happening and 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 go through his own process right and that was the most vulnerable time, I think, in my life because God began to show me. So then sometime after that was when he told me to, to be in prayer and to be fasting. And for me, this was a specific message to me. So I'm not saying this is your solution if you're going through something like this. I'm saying that you pray with declaration and be quiet and be still so that you give God the opportunity to speak clearly to you and remove distractions, remove, like get in stillness so that you can get clear direction. And so then for me to be in prayer and fasting, and in that time, so I, I did that, and in the days that followed, almost on a daily basis, I was starting my day in, the, in God's word, I was in prayer, in journaling, and almost a daily basis, God revealed to me something that I needed to do better, right? 
in some aspect where I didn't relate well to somebody or I hurt, you know, Sam and a choice that I made or something that I said, you know, over the years, right? All of these things. And God put it on my heart to start writing letters. And so every day it was virtually every day, it was either writing a note to Sam and saying, I see this now, I'm sorry. And now mind you, ladies, I'm going to tell you that Again, not to take away from my part, but there's tons of things that like I, if I wanted to, I could create a huge list of things that Sam did wrong. I could create a huge list of things where I felt like it was broken promises or hurt feelings or whatever the case could be. But God made it so clear. What about you? What are you doing or what have you done? What part do you own to get to this place? Right. And so as I, as I did that, it was also a opportunity for me to just sit with God and learn a new level of vulnerability. And there were so many ugly cries, but I will tell you that although God did tell me clearly to take a break on my business, so I wasn't work, you know, obviously I wasn't working until noon, but then he also gave me the grace to, I could be in an ugly cry in that morning and in journaling and writing a note or, you know, God at one point put it on my heart to be a bigger help to the home, right? When I was, when I was running both locations and or just when I had taken it down to the one location, I didn't really do much at home. And that was, I justified it because that was the agreement we had when we first got married, you know, six years ago, um, because I was, you know, gone all the time or whatever the case may be. And uh, God, had, one of the things God had put on my heart was to be a bigger help at home and all the things. And so my God would take me through these mornings of ugly cries and prayer and journaling and revelations that was just like, ugh, right? Um, and I just followed his prompting. God called me to write a, a letter even very early on to my oldest bonus son, right? Our, my oldest bonus son, I can tell you now, I think we are a lot alike in some ways. And I think in some ways he is a reflection of, he is somewhat of a reflection of some of the people that have been in my, my past. And I, God revealed to me that I was bringing into, obviously I didn't know this at the time, but I still held on to trauma, for example, from my son's dad and the explosive arguments that we would have and how what those would escalate to and so when my oldest bonus son Dylan would get upset or you know react or whatever it might be I I know that I would have a very physical response like I could feel it in my chest I did not understand that that was a manifestation of a trauma response I never even really liked that word I never really wanted to own that word what have you and so then our interactions became incredibly, we've gone through seasons where we were really close and then we would go through this like really bad tension that just continued to get uglier as the years went on um, and or not necessarily uglier, but uh, like more distant, more separated as the years went on um, because it just built because not only would there be that interaction and then me have that response, but then I would be taking on offense and, or I would consider it rude instead of seeing him through God's eyes and seeing what his trauma had been and, or his unique personality and, or making it about him, not justifying behavior, but having a greater understanding, right? Even though, 
to be honest, I, I talk about this, I preach this about being the energy, not responding and taking on energy. It was that was an opportunity and it definitely was one that grew me because over the years, because I did like that was me putting it into practice, was doing my best to not respond to that energy and not let it blow up. But at the same time, the way I did that was, yes, I, I did find a way to create peace and not react and not be explosive back and all those things. But it also created my way of doing that was to create this wall, to, was to create this disconnection of emotion, right? Um, with that particular relationship. So early on, God put it on my heart to write him a letter. And again, just focus, not make excuses, just own my stuff and apologize, right? Um, and as God revealed uh, people to me, which was mostly just um, Dante, but or I'm sorry, just mostly just Sam, but you know, 98% of it was was letters to Sam. But it was just a period of just amazing stretching. And in that time, I will there was I will tell you that I also had a new level of understanding on not discussing all the things with uh, girlfriends, right? I have amazing girlfriends and I am so grateful that the relationships that I have now are strong and powerful and they're God-centered and they're super amazing and it's nothing against them as individual people at all. They're, they're fantastic. But what God had shared with me is that there is a time to go to a mentor or a like spirit, like somebody that is going to be able to give you wisdom and discernment. And there is a time where he just wants, God wants you to go to him and God wants you to be working out the stuff with him. And as I walked through this season, right, I realized that I had fallen into a pattern of talking about it a little bit too much. And when I say it, I mean the marriage, the family dynamic, whatever, um, talking about it a little bit too much. And also that in this season, God wanted me to keep what he, whatever he was working in and through me, this process of prayer and fasting very close to my chest and really not have the conversations, not give updates, not any of the things, but just kind of keep it in the bubble until he was done with whatever it was that he was doing with the exception of one person that he dynamically placed in my life just in the last couple of years. And she is, has a, a different type of, not a different type, but has a unique anointing in discernment and spirit led and, and just phenomenal. And so she, which, you know, again, God makes these amazing connections. The way we connected all the things is just so phenomenal. Like I said, she's not one of my oldest friends. She's actually one of my newest friends, but one of those friends that just connects in the depth of spiritual relationship and the ability for me to be vulnerable with her and her to hold space for that um, was just phenomenal. And for her to really not make it about any person, but truly just the relationship and the experience with God and she recommended this book, The Gift of Tears is the name of the book. And it talks about when God takes you through a season of stretching, like I was experiencing, something that I have never experienced before to the depth and to the extent in which I did. And I've, like I said, I've had a lot of life, a lot of experiences, but this was so intense. 
I cannot express that enough. And but that it's always on to something is the point of the book. And what that book describes in the first two chapters was exactly what I was experiencing. When I was having this experience and through this time of God stretching and revealing and giving me this new level of understanding of being vulnerable, because as I'm writing notes to Sam, he was very gracious in his communication with me, but he wasn't, he, it, he didn't like catch up. He didn't necessarily want to wreck it. I, I, don't want to tie it to 40 days specifically because I don't want that to, to, I don't want to give the perception like that was a thing and that was a magic number. It was about that time though that Sam did lean back in and did uh, like open up to really going all in and recommitting to our marriage, right? And in that waiting though, I'm sharing these vulnerable truths with zero expectation of what will be returned zero expectation of what is I'm to receive from him or from anybody else that I was writing a letter to and making it purely about following God's lead without expectation. And it was the most powerful season, the most powerful, like, quote unquote, moment of time over this, this course. And God also in that season that was so powerful in rebuilding this relationship and the lessons that I'll share with you in just a minute. But also revealing that during that time, I did not give in to food, which food had been a bondage for me for a really long time. That's part of my story. And although I've been free from the bulimia for a, a few years now, um, I have said in the past that, you know, if I struggle with anything, it's still emotional eating, right? And I feel like I've pretty much, I have felt like I had pretty much let go of that the last, you know, couple of years. Um, I, <laughs> COVID is like a blur. So well before COVID. So maybe it's been like three years where I've, I know that I haven't chosen to eat just based on pure emotion, right? Um, and then through this season, going through this um, incredibly hard time, consistently turning to God and not a single inclination of turning to food because I was like, Lord, whatever is happening, I don't want to miss it. And that is where I get to help clients now and, and teach is that when we go to something other than God, we do, we are missing opportunities to be with him, to build that relationship with him, to be in connection with him. And so in this season, he also brought to front to mind, see how strong I've created you, like the work in and through you. Look at where you are now holding this position of feeling completely undone, completely vulnerable, and yet you continue to come to me and nothing else, right? And it was such a powerful revelation and strengthening and encouragement and confidence, right? And so through that season, I would have these mornings and I started to say, yes, God did tell me that in that period, he also made it clear that um, I was to not, not, I want to say worry as much, right? Not put as much time and attention into the business side, because again, what's also happening is that I had, you know, at the end of 2020 or a few months prior to the end of 2020, I had decided to, um, again, following God's prompting and lead, I felt like he was telling me to close the brick and mortar good business for good so that I could go 100% online, 
to uh, focus helping with female Christian leaders specifically so that my programs and my coaching is grounded on his word because that truly is the missing ingredient that um, most programs are missing. And that is what has completely transformed my life. Yes, I ended up with a body I never expected. Yes, I ended up with this amazing health, but it's all when we get to base it on his word and learn different, I'm trying not to go off on a tangent, but I'm so passionate about that also, learning how to really look at food in the right, have a healthy relationship with food and lean into our relationship with God and and have a better understanding based on his word. That is what makes transformation sustainable is his word, his presence, our relationship with him. That's what makes transformation sustainable. And so the beginning of 2021 or 20, yeah, 2021, this is still new. Like I'm still growing this. And I, the old me, the iteration of that is that means you're all in. That means that you're 15, 16 hour days and and all the things that was my belief. Right. And here God was saying that, no, (laughs) not only are you not going to, uh, to be in that mode of operation anymore, uh, you are going to learn how to be in this season of undoing in the mornings and still hold space for who you do have in front of you. So in that time, I was learned the ability to hold space and show up and be present for my clients, for whoever needed me, um, while also experiencing this really intense time of chastening and correction. I hope that makes sense. And then as I was working through that time, not only was he revealing all these things on my marriage, but he was also making it very clear to me that from a business standpoint and for my next iteration of purpose and impact that I am doing that, that I am called to do that from a position of surrender was the words that he gave me and no longer striving right? Because it's easy to get caught up in business, especially when it's purpose oriented and you feel like you know that it's for the greatest good. It's really easy to get caught up in striving, right? And for priorities to get blurred. And God made it very clear that reminding me of my priorities are my relationship with him, which it always has been, and my own self-care, which is one of the things I teach to other women also, because our self-care, self-care impacts our ability. And I, when I say self-care, I mean all the things from our physical well-being to our emotional well-being, which ties to our physical movement, our nutrition, our stress management, our sleep, all the things, right? That self-care is so critical because if we are not taking care of ourselves, then it does limit our ability to be in relationship with God because how much when you don't feel good you're not having a clear mind to be able to be present with him whether you're reading his word or waiting for a response right you're you're compromised physically mentally emotionally if you aren't taking care of yourself and then the next step is to be a help and this is where our role as a wife comes in be a help to your spouse and then our kids and then our business and then all the other things right and one of the biggest shifts that god also made for me is these are the ways that i get to show up and one of them was choosing to be of a greater help and so again god put it on my heart to start doing that without expecting a response just simply because of the reminder that we are to do all things as if we are doing them for him, right? 
So God put it on my heart to start to learn how to cook because again, when Sam and I first got married, Sam loves to cook and I would cook for me and Dante and I would cook meal prep. I'd cook very basic things. But when we got married, the idea of cooking for six people was overwhelming to me. And the idea of, um, you know, being able to do that on our, uh, like having actual, like it just wasn't happening. And so Sam had always cooked and or our daughter uh, cooked for a period of time while she was still living at home. We now just have two at home and two are on their own. Um, and so God put it on my heart, something as simple as I want you to learn how to cook. Like your schedule is different. You don't have the, the long hours. I don't want you to be in the long hours. You're working from home. You have capacity to be of greater help at home now. And that's what I want you to do. Not with an expectation of anything else, but because this is who I'm calling you to do your role. You chose to be a wife. Therefore, you chose to play the role of being a help to your spouse. And God made that so clear to me. So I started to learn how to cook. I started to clean our house. And again, we've had people help us in the past. And um, But God started to impress upon me the idea and the concept of making the home something like warm and environment, uncluttered, all the things so that when other people, when my husband walks in, it's like a place that he wants, like he's looking forward to coming home to. Not that our house was a complete disaster, but it wasn't something that I was cleaning on a regular basis or taking care of on a regular basis. I wasn't taking personal responsibility for it, right? And so I began to do all of those things before Sam decided to recommit to our marriage before Sam was really leaning in. And I will also tell you that the power of prayer and just keeping it between God as I was going through those things, I would pray about something specifically and Sam would randomly show up and and give me a hug, even if he was, or I would ask for a hug and he would give me a hug, but he gives really good hugs. It's not like just a quick hug. You know, it was a long lingering hug. Like, These things that I needed, like the little glimpses that I needed, God provided, right? But it still wasn't guaranteed. So all of that to say is that it was an amazing process. And I want to give you some things that he um, shared with me throughout that. And I've given you some of them throughout, but I want to kind of summarize what has come out of this and as a result of this. And I will tell you that this was this started in the beginning of March, I think. Um, and so Sam and I since are reconnected were like it's all it's as if it never happened, but it's also with a greater level of understanding and a stronger foundation. If we're in a really, really good place, and I know that I can only control me and I get to do my part as God calls me to. And I get to continually look for things that might otherwise trigger me and process them through what God has taught me, this new level of understanding. I'll give you one quick example, and then I'm going to go into um, the lessons themselves. But an example would be, um, so this was, you know, the end of March, April went through that period, and then Sam decided, also recommitted, right? And we both are extremely grateful that we 
caught it and that we are we're still in this together and in all the things and the feeling of love and the feeling of commitment and the feelings um have caught up as well and so we're super super grateful for that and the the teamwork and sam is so appreciative of on a daily basis of the efforts that i I am making like the cooking or the cleaning, like he's super aware and attentive to those things. And he's also doing his part in trying to do things that maybe he wasn't doing it, you know, as consistently in the past, whatever. So um, it's, we're in a really good place. Having said that, a, an opportunity to be triggered happened when I got COVID and everybody is like it uh, impacted differently. I immediately became very protective of my space, my environment. And so thankfully we do have another room that I can go to. And so immediately, even with just the runny nose, I came to, I started sleeping downstairs and, and then I got the test and I was floored that it was actually positive. And I did take ivermectin right away. And I do think that made a big difference. Um, but even still that isolation of being in this room and everyone responds differently, right? And so in that time, once we realized that I did have it, um, it Sam's response was to, <laughs> I, well, my perception was I felt alone. I felt isolated. I felt like I was fitting for myself. And the flip side of that is I'm fiercely independent and not the least bit needy. And then all of a sudden I had kind of this expectation of, you know, I, I don't know, being asked like how I'm doing, how I'm feeling, what's going on, what do you need, blah, blah. And now having said that, um, if I were to ask Sam of anything, he would do it in a heartbeat, but I had started to slip back into, and it was probably a combination of a lot of things, including just that, the feeling of isolation, um, this expectation of like wanting him to just know, right. Or whatever. And it allowed this stinking thinking to creep back in. Like, why am I doing all these things? And now here I'm like isolated and, um, I don't feel like I'm being taken care of and, and all the things. And God reminded me, look how quickly you revert <laughs> first and foremost to old thinking. And I, you aren't doing all the things you're doing for Sam. You're not doing all the things, quote unquote, all the things, right? It's not like I'm doing a lot, but you're not doing quote unquote, all the things for anyone other than because this is what I called you to do. You are doing these things for me. You are doing these things to be a representative of who I called you to be as a wife, as a woman, regardless of anyone else's response. These are the, this is the state of being and the actions I want you to be taking, right? And that became so clearly. And then the second step of that was, okay, focus, go back and focus on gratitude. List out all the things that Sam is amazing at and the real, realization that if I just ask him, he's like in a heartbeat, he does whatever, whether it's go to the store, get extra vitamin C or whatever, it's just asking, right? And also understanding that, like having empathy, right? I don't want to speak for Sam, but one of the thoughts that I gave myself was that there was a, a little bit of fear from him, right? And so the response was, for me was unexpected, but it was unexpected for him too. It did bring up some fears because Sam is, you know, who knows what his response, he's, he's not necessarily as healthy as I am. And he is in a job where he has to show up physically every single day. So his response was, you know, distance and physical distance, right? 
and really highly precautious of me being in the home. And I was taking offense to that versus just seeing it from his perspective. And it took that process of God bringing me back to say, you're doing that because that's who I've asked you to be as a woman, as a wife, and not for any other reason. Then it was taking me to, so now that I've got you there and you're out of your pity party, focus on all of the amazing things about Sam. And then from there, think about this from his perspective and what could he be thinking? Not what you think, not how you feel about what you're going through or how you would respond if somebody else in the house had gotten it. What might he be thinking? What reactions might be coming up for him? What fears might be coming up for him? What emotions might be coming up for him? And maybe this isn't about you, right? And so God took me through that process. And that's an example of where we get to continually work on our ability to catch our thoughts and reframe them, right? And I'm always a work in progress too. All right, ladies, let's jump into kind of the summary and the lessons that God has put on my heart. So I have 11 listed and there's a couple that have sub points, but we've talked about these throughout, but I just want to give you a hopefully a fairly concise list. And the first is before you even, it could be before you're like, as you're choosing who you're going to date, but most certainly before you decide to follow through by getting married, there's a couple things to consider. And they all come back down to making that decision based on wisdom and discernment, not just emotion alone. And so within this, there's some things to consider. Are you equally yoked for first, first and foremost, right? It is not the same to like, for example, if you have been in your walk and you have been in relationship with God for it, actually, it's not a time issue because I feel like I had a crash course (laughs) the first year of me being in relationship with Jesus because I was um, so seeking his word and his presence and and all the things. I don't know that it's a time element, but it's a depth element, right? And so the natural role of a husband is for them to be the spiritual leader of the home. Does it mean that they're perfect? Does it mean that they're holier than thou, quote unquote? No. But you want to make sure that they, if you are a woman that is truly after God's heart and you're in God's word and you're spending time in relationship with that, with God, getting to know his character, doing the best you can do to, to be who he's called you to be and continually learn how what that looks like with each season, all the things, you want to make sure that the person that you're considering marrying is doing the same thing because they ultimately, according to God's word, have the, the, the final say and the leadership when it comes to decisions made in your home, how you guys invest your money, how you guys um, choose to spend your time, what's allowed in your home, how your children are raised. Of course, like in, I will tell you, if that makes you cringe a little bit, I get it. You know, understanding these roles was one of the things that originally actually kept me from really leaning into God because I was such a fiercely independent woman um, and couldn't imagine, right, being, you know, subject, so to speak, to someone else's authority, right? However, Again, God gives us the parameters for our best life, and His word is really clear. And there's a when we understand the way that they are supposed to God that our husbands are supposed to love us, they are supposed to love us like God Himself, right? But they can only do that if they are truly seeking Him and really in relationship with Him. And again, 
it's not just loving according to what the world says love looks like. It is according to God's words so that they have that spiritual wisdom, leadership, discernment to make the, the right decisions, right? And of course, we get influence and, and we get to have a voice and, and all of those things. It is a partnership. But my point is, is that it is so important to make sure that they are truly seeking that depth in relationship with God as much, if not more, than you do yourself with where you're at now, right? The second thing is um, have, making sure that you have time in the relationship. I know I have not lived by this example, but I will tell you that I know, you know, hindsight being 2020 is that you truly don't know somebody else's character until you've seen them over the course of time. You don't know how, like they could be a great and amazing person, but how do they manage their finances? How do they react to stressful uh, whether it be holidays or events or what have you, and have you really seen them on their best days and on their worst days? And the only thing that allows you to really discern that is being with them consistently over time. So I know there are plenty, there are definitely examples of, of women who are in relationship with someone for just a few months and they choose to get married and they make it work. But I think think that we make it harder on ourselves when we choose that route because when the unexpected comes up, then it is more, um, it, it, it is unexpected. And so the way we respond to it is different and all that good stuff. So really allow yourself that time, at least a year, if not more, to be in relationship with them before you start talking about marriage. The next one under this is uh, making sure that you see premarital counseling. Again, I think that there is that, that's where that wisdom and that discernment comes in is really seeking through the church or through a small group, godly premarital counseling, because they will help you ask the tough questions of each other and really make the decision based on your highest good, not just an emotion of, you know, the initial stages of love is this uh, infatuation and this feeling of being in love, right? Well, God calls us to love no matter what, right? And I don't know, I know for me, I think that I didn't, like, I. it just, it never really hit me as hard as it did until I've kind of walked it out, right, over time. And that might just be me, but it really, marriage becomes a daily choice to love. And so you really need to make that decision based on wisdom, not just an emotion alone, because there's so many other factors that come into play once you are married and um, start doing life together. And the next one under the same first subcategory is the blended family we talked about. That's really something to um, take to heart and take to consideration. And I hope I that you have maybe a resource in your life that has can give you a perspective of a blended family specifically. And really, I know that God is our greatest uh, counselor. He truly is. And His Spirit in us can give us so much prayer and discernment. I just know that when we're in the midst of something, we can often, because we want it so bad, we look for things that may not be there in terms of God saying, yes, this is it, move forward or make this action, when reality is, you know, looking at all parties involved, worst case scenario, 
remember that when you're married, according to, it gets so messy when we're, it's a blended family and it's a remarriage, which is why the Bible cautions against, if not, um, discourages remarriage. And, you know, again, knowing better, what have you, I'm not, there's, I'm not obviously the person to judge if you're in a second marriage or third marriage or whatever the case be would be, but it does, God gives us that blueprint because it gets so much more complicated. So now when you're in a blended family, it, it, you have to be in a position where you're ready to do a united front. And when you've got kids involved, you're setting that expectation on them as well. So trust me, I know, Mama, you want and you expect that it's going to be great and amazing and it's all full of love. But what if it's harder than you anticipated, right? What if you uh, don't see eye to eye on certain parenting factors? That really needs to be laid out ahead of time and use wisdom and discernment whether or not getting married at this point in time, especially if kids are young or in high school or in their adolescence or teenage years, is it the best time for these for you and the person that you're thinking about being married to to really combine households, right? And then uh, the next one is on, you know, the, the choice using wisdom and discernment, not emotion alone, is to be really mindful of your ability to look at actions, not just words. In other words, is the person that you're looking to marry, do their actions support the words that they're saying, especially if you're coming from a background of where maybe you didn't get what you um you know, you didn't get a good example of God's love for you or your worth or your value. We can unknowingly be looking for our value or affirmation through a significant other. And when we are not, when if that is not healed and we're making decisions based on that, we're more likely to look at what we want to hear, what we want to see versus the actions themselves. And it might be that they are even telling you things that you know, not only make you feel good, but they're saying this expectation of the way things are going to be. But do their actions today in this moment, you know, figuratively, while you're making this decision, are their actions there? It cannot be words alone, right? Um, and if there is anything in your gut that causes you, you know, confusion or hesitation, then take that as a prompting for God, from God saying like, let's take a step back. Let's pause here. Let's take some more time or gather that godly counsel or wisdom or whatever, whatever it might be. So then the second one is, you know, true, whether or not you're just dating or for sure, once you are married and you have family, and that is using declarative prayer, really using God's word. I talked about this a little in the episode earlier, and there's also an episode where I dedicated um, a little bit of time to this about praying with more power, but declarative prayer is taking God's promises and speaking them back to him, right? And speaking life over your marriage, speaking life over your family, speaking life over your, um, your, your kids, right? And at, also, so in other words, guaranteeing, like speaking the blessings, speaking the abundance, speaking the favor, speaking the plans that God has for you, right? Rebuking the enemy, right? God says that no weapon formed against you shall be prospered. Don't wait until you have an issue to be in this kind of powerful prayer. Be in this prayer proactively from the beginning and pray on a daily basis. Uh, also, you know, using that same version of declarative prayer 
to ask God for wisdom. So often we what we really need is to get quiet, to get still, to get pray to pray with declaration. Like Father God created me a clean heart. Show me which ways are your in alignment with your ways, right? And then be still enough to listen, right? And be there's a lot that goes around our ability to be able to hear them. That's a different episode. Um the third is proactively focus on gratitude. So even when you do come across, like on a daily basis, focus on what you do have, focus on what you are grateful, focus on what is good and lovely. God tells us to focus on those things for a reason. What we focus on expands. And so remind yourself to apply that, whether it's your kids are frustrating you on a day or your husband is frustrating you, remind yourself to focus on gratitude. The fourth is not holding on to offense, right? So being offended is a choice. It's just as much of a choice to receive or it's just, yeah, it's just as much of a choice to choose to be offended by some what somebody says or doesn't say, does or doesn't say, as it is a choice to not be offended or to like take in a compliment, right? It's still taking on something that you love and you enjoy and taking it as a compliment is a choice, right? You get that feel good feeling when someone compliments you, but it's a choice to feel good about what they said to you, right? Versus somebody that says something, does something or doesn't say something or doesn't do something, it's a choice for you to feel offended, right? It may be hard. It's something that you get to continually practice, but practicing non-judgment, practicing not taking offense is something that is for our highest good. It's really not, if you need to think about it this way, which sometimes I do, (laughs) it's not for them that you not be offended, right? Even if what they said was, you know, in your perception, totally awful and you're convinced it was intentional or whatever the case may be, it's not for them that you don't take offense. It's for you. Because your greatest position as a child of God is to operate from a position of peace and surrender so that you can continue that connection and that knowing of God and God, his presence. It's not that we won't ever have negative emotions, but they become, they work against us when we hold onto them and or how we might respond to them, right? So some things that you can ask for yourself, so not to take on offense is, do you, for example, do you want to be right in an argument, right? It's not that you don't ever have a voice or trust me, I'm super opinionated, right? It's not that you don't ever have a voice or an opinion or a say or anything, but you get to weigh if it's a challenging conversation or a discussion or whatever the case may be, do you really want to be right about this or would you rather just have peace? Could this be something like, even if you're convinced you're right, could it be something that you could just let go and it's just not that big of a deal? In the big picture, is it really a big deal? And of course, you get to work on what you consider to be a big deal. Because sometimes, as I'll speak for myself, I definitely used to make little things very big things. The uh, next one kind of under the same thing is, is asking God to help you see perspective from the other person, to not take on offense. So I'll give you an extreme example of a somebody that's maybe toxic, right? They have something coming up or, or whatever the case may be, and hopefully that you're not in this position. But I was there even as a believer, right, um, in managing a, um, a toxic relationship and or, you know, other relationships within my life, not necessarily a spouse, but it's the, um, it's the ability to ask God, help me 
see them as you see them, right? Help me see this person as you see them. Help me see their perspective. It doesn't condone condone their behavior towards you. And it doesn't mean that you continually tolerate, right? You don't step in front of a punch over and over and over again when you know it's coming. But not being offended by it, not holding on to it, seeing from their perception, can give you empathy that is for their good, but it's also for your good, again, to maintain that level of peace and connection with God. And also in most instances, assume that people are genuinely good people and they are doing the best they can, especially when it comes to spouses. I think sometimes we, like you married them, obviously, it's not just some person off the street, you married them for a reason. So remember that they are inherently good and they're nine times out of 10, not, you know, even if you are in an argument and something was said that hurt your feelings, I, it's nine times out of 10, unless you're with an unhealthy or person that's still unhealthy, that's not their, that's not their intention, right? They are simply doing the best they can with the way they have, with what they have, right? That's a great tool to hang on to and a great perspective to have for all relationships, right? It, you know, just see that person as God sees them as they were originally created in his image, right? And know that whatever they're acting out or how, whatever, however it's coming across to you at this moment is a symptom of the layers of experiences and the meanings they gave it and or traumas and all the things that have been piled on top, but they are still God's precious child just as much as you are right? And try to see that through their eyes. Again, doesn't condone or mean that or mean that you consistently tolerate behavior that is, you know, not in alignment with God's word. However, it just allows you to maintain your peace and your therefore your connection with God and your sense of well-being. Number five is don't give the enemy a foothold. Understand that the enemy wants more than anything to pull apart Christian marriages. And if he can't pull them apart, he's going to do everything he can to try and manipulate, make you miserable, be, have you in arguments, have you fighting, separate you from God, right? He can't truly separate us from God. But when there's anger, when there's frustration, then he can, in fact, keep us from being 100% focused on God and his plan and his way of being and and all the things. And remember, Peter only had to look away just a millimeter, right? And he started to sink, right? And so we want to stay focused and fixed on Jesus. And I will tell you that I can look back in the time, the six years that Sam and I have been together, and I can see where as grounded as I am, and as much as I preach all these things, I 100% unknowingly gave the enemy footholds. And I think I shared that within the episode, but the, the just to bring it into here in case you fast forwarded to here, an example comes to mind is that, you know, in the somewhere along the line after a couple years of marriage, and there was just so much um, strain and anxiety that I was feeling, I'm just going to own my part, and leave the rest um, to, out of this, but um, so much stress and anxiety for what I was feeling that it started to become create this you know physical discomfort when we would try to do things as a whole family. And unfortunately, at some point in time, that started to include even going to church. And I know better, but I didn't do better. And so going to church as a family started to drift away because it was hard for me to um, 
be in the same environment with all everyone while there was all this tension and it felt like every time we would try it, somebody would be fighting or something would be, you know, off or what have you. And I own 100% of that was my perception and that was my choice um, to to pull away from that, right? To, to pull away from all of us going to church. And, and again, I can look back and know that that's not in alignment with God's word and I made a mistake there and I gave the enemy a foothold as a, re- as a result that, and that foothold... Um, you know, had a ripple effect in terms of, you know, their individual relationships with God and the connection that we have had as a family or coulda, shoulda, right? I'm not a big woulda, coulda, shoulda person. But again, being able to look at it objectively, I definitely, if I could turn back time, that would be something I would do differently, right? Or for example, date nights, which I'm going to talk about in a second, like, if you, I encourage you to have a routine of date nights. And if you're in an argument, you still go, and you still show up, just like when I preach about you go to the workout, even if you don't feel like it, and hopefully the emotions will catch up. But regardless, you do the thing so that the enemy does not get a foothold. And so many of these other things are tied to the enemy not getting a foothold too. So the next one, number six is um, communication, right? Do not assume that your spouse knows how you're feeling, that has the same meaning, right? You could say one thing and it means one thing to you. It means something totally different to him. Or he could say something to you and it means one thing to him or it doesn't mean anything to him and it means something amazingly different to you. So don't assume, make sure you communicate, ask for clarifications, ask for, you know, communicate if you're not feeling well, communicate if you feel off, communicate if you need time with him, communicate if you're feeling down, whatever the case may be, you take responsibility for the communication in the marriage, right? It is, I'm just going to leave it at that because that's who God calls us to be, right? God, it's not about the other person. It's not about what they did or didn't do. It's about who can we be and how can we be the best woman, best wife that we can be. That even comes down to as much as like gifts and holidays and, and all these things like if you want something a specific, if you want a specific gift or you want a s- specific element to happen at a holiday, you want the family to get together or you don't want the family to get together or whatever it is, make sure that you're communicating those things. Don't assume, don't be one, don't, don't um, live the lie that says, you know, well, he should just know by now. No, he shouldn't. You should communicate, right? Um, number seven, this is a biggie and I know it's hard, but it's do not withhold sex. And I don't think that for the most part, women don't do this intentionally, but women are wired very emotionally. Men are wired very physically. And I know this was a hard one for me because I I also have you know trauma and shame associated around physical I won't even say, I, I, I'll just say sex. I was going to say intimacy, but it's the, the shame and the trauma isn't around intimacy, like true intimacy with love. It's just based on, it's around sex itself, which then unfortunately is baggage that comes up um, in my way of being, even in the midst of a, you know, incredibly loving marriage with, with Sam, right? And so it's, Uh, It can be our nature sometimes to just shut down because if we don't emotionally feel connected, then we don't physically feel in the mood. Not that we don't ever just feel physically attracted. That happens too, of course. Um, When you have that physical passion or connection with your your spouse, of course, that's there. 
Uh, however, when our emotional needs aren't being met, it's it can be that we kind of shut down, right? Whether it's consciously or unconsciously. The challenge with that is God really did create intimacy with our spouse as a way for us to connect and a way for us to bond with them. So even scripture tells us to not withhold unless it's an agreed upon specific period of time. In other words, don't use abstinence from your significant other as a tool, right? But also don't allow it to just be even a subconscious thing. And as hard as this is, and as, as kind of crazy as this sounds, because at least it was for me, but God started pl- placing this on my heart just this year, is to even invite God into that. When you're struggling and you don't want to be intimate, but you know it's been a few days, most men are hardwired to feel greater connection when they're being physical with you or shortly thereafter they're being physical with you. So for women, we're wired to want the emotional connection and then we feel like we're in the mood to be physical, right? With the exception of like pure physical attraction. But with men, it's usually the reverse. With men, a lot of times they are physically wired and the sexual intercourse gives them the ability to connect. It like unlocks an emotional connection for them. Make sense? So if you're shutting down and you're shutting off sex because you're not feeling emotionally fulfilled, then your spouse is going to start drawing, like shutting down as well because he's not being fulfilled, right? And I will tell you, I do believe that when when there's a pattern of withholding, it does not make affairs are not never right. It's always their responsibility. But again, that's a way to give the enemy a foothold. If your husband is very physically driven, and again, there's no excuse. Don't hate me. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that that's something to pray about because as much as we are each accountable for our own um, our own choices, it's another way of giving the enemy the foothold. If it's because the same is true with us, ladies. That's if you aren't getting your emotional needs met by your husband, then you can fall. Uh, more susceptible to going to another male figure for your emotional needs. I forget the author's name, but the book is called Captivating, and it is so good. There's a version for women and a good version for men. And the the book Captivating talks about these emotional um, affairs that women have when their needs aren't being met by their spouse, right? Well, the reverse is going to be true, too men are going to be more tempted if their physical needs aren't being met at home from their spouse, right? Um, And that's just the raw truth. So I love you guys said with love. But again, I know it sounds kind of weird at first. But really, if you're struggling with this, take it to prayer and ask God to help you physically want to show up for your husband in those days or those moments, or maybe it's been a week because you just feel either tired or exhausted from just life, or maybe you are mad about something or trying to process something and you're just like, yeah, don't come near me. Not only is it going to help, it will help both of you reconnect. And I know it sounds odd, but I, I promise you um, that was, that's been such an important lesson for me. Number eight is to create the date nights, make it a plan, 
I believe that in an ideal situation, it's once a week um, so that you are intentionally spending time together where you're connecting in some way. That helps you also get your emotional needs met, right? Um, The next one, number nine, is staying in God's priorities. Remember, what God is calling you to do as a woman and as a wife, right? If you chose to get married, then you chose to take on the role of being a wife, which includes being a helper to your husband. Your first and foremost goal priority is going to be your relationship with God. The second, like I've said before and a hundred times over, is your own self-care and well-being because you can't give what you don't have. Your third is your husband, ladies with young kids, as well, right? Your husband is actually first, and then your kids, right? And then your work, and then your service into community. And remembering in that, that regardless of how you're feeling or what you're frustrated, again, a new level of understanding is that we get to be those women, those wives, not because of our husbands or how they are or are not acting or the choices they are or are not making or whatever the case may be, we get to do that because that's honoring God because everything we do is to be done as if we're doing it for God because that's ultimately who it's for. It's our individual responsibility to be a representation of God's hands and feet and his character, which brings me to... um, Well, the next one I put down, number 10, is trust God, right? That trust that you are doing, you're showing up, you're doing the actions. God sees you. He knows you. He is with you. And when you are in relationship with him, you can trust that he is also, you know, giving you the desires of your heart and directing your steps. I talk about that more in the declarative prayer episode. And then the next one, 11, and the final lesson is studying love right? We talk about love, but it's been so watered down by society. Talking about love the way God says we are to love and specifically looking at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 and read it on a regular basis because (laughs) we all need that reminder, right? Of how God tells us to love and really ask yourself, am I showing up in this way? Am I showing up in the way God calls me to love? Not just like with your spouse, with your kids, with your, um, you know, whoever God puts in your life, right? Am I showing God's love? And then, of course, the fruit of the Spirit. Again, I talked about this in actually the, you know, managing the holidays episode that not only with our spouses, but also with our family and our, our, our extended family or friends or what have you, that we are called to show up according to God's character, Right. Are like even when we look at the love, the, the excuse me, the verse on love and how God calls us to love, you'll notice there's no only do this. No, and in fact, <laughs> nowhere in the Bible did the, the guidelines of where, not the guidelines, but like the blueprint of how God tells us to show up is not conditional. Have you noticed that? It's not if this person is this way, then you behave this way, right? We don't get that out. Unfortunately, God doesn't say, oh, if they're a butthead or they're rude to you or they're having a bad day, then you get to do the same. No, he has a clear blueprint for who he wants you to be, 
in relationship with him. And then by doing so, abide in me and I in you, that is when you have the greatest access to the spirit and the seed of purpose that he has given you. And with greater access means that you get to have greater expression of it. You get to experience more of it and you get to give more of it. So yes, it starts within your marriage, but it trickles into every aspect of life. So with that, ladies, I'm going to close this out. I am so grateful for those of you that have listened to this point. And my prayer for you, sister, is that you just know in a very real way how much you are loved, how much God sees you and is for you. And it's that ability to operate in his spirit, his knowing um, that brings us in relationship with him and allows us to experience greater connection to peace and joy and love and all the things in our everyday lives. And we need to protect our marriages. We need to be in prayer, right? Priscilla Schreier's work comes to mind when she talks about, you know, the, the power of praying and being intentional in our prayers, right? I don't want to go off on another story, another tangent, but we get to put on the full armor of God and go to work with the one offensive weapon he has given us, and that is prayer. So I pray that this episode has helped you. I pray that it has encouraged you. I would love to hear from you. If you have any follow-up questions or if um, there's something that I can create clarity for you on based on what I've learned so far and just maybe some wisdom that he's given me, or if you think there's something that I've left out that is important, maybe we do a follow-up episode. I'm all about hearing your lessons and, and what you have learned to be true as well. You can email me at Rebecca at RebeccaTabert.com. Of course, you can also join us on Facebook in our private group, Female Christian Leaders. And if this podcast is helpful, I ask that you help me by pressing the the like or the follow button, depending on what platform you're listening to this on, share it with a girlfriend, and please take the time to write a couple sentences in the review. That allows me to, um, or it doesn't allow me, I'm sorry, it allows the quote unquote algorithm of the platform that you're on to know that this podcast is worthy of being listened to, that it is of help to you. And by doing that, it then will share it with other women just like you that might be helped by it. So bye for now. Thanks again for allowing me to be a voice in your life. Love you guys. Bye.